Welcome to the My Life Platform podcast. Today we're talking about a topic in marriage that's very vital to the power of a marriage, and that is the spirituality and the relationship between a husband and a wife. Now, this is going to be very practical, although it's called spiritual, and in my opinion, spirituality is very practical. Now, normally on this podcast, my son Matthew is the host. Today, I'm joined by someone who's much closer to me, and that is my bride of 28 years, Adina. So, Adina, welcome back to the podcast for this episode. Well, thanks. It's always good to have a conversation with you. So, we're just going to talk about, uh, first of all, what spirituality it looks like in our marriage. So, Adina, if somebody were to ask you, what does spirituality look like in your marriage, what would you say? I would say that spirituality in our marriage, it looks like the little things. Um, one of the things I love the most is how we make sure that every morning we, spe- we say a special hello. And every time before we leave, we say a, a special goodbye. Just taking advantage of little moments to love and respect each other. That's, that's kind of it at its core. That's an interesting answer. I would imagine that for many people, the maybe the answer they're anticipating or expecting would be, well, uh, we pray together mm-hmm. at a certain time, or mm-hmm. we read a certain devotional together. Um, as we go through this, I think you're going to see why I said at the beginning that this is going to be a practical episode on spirituality, mm-hmm. because real spirituality is very practical. Absolutely. It shows up in our regular life and in all the things that we do. Oftentimes we make the mistake in thinking that spirituality is what is happening when I'm praying or when I'm in a worship building or facility. But spirituality at its greatest is very practical. It's something that's happening in our everyday living. And in our relationship, certainly in our marriage. I agree. And it's compared to like when you go to church. When you go to church, that's not the only time that you're spiritual in your relationship and growing with God. You know, you go out through the week and you go to your job. You spend time with your family and activities. And if you're only spiritual when you're at church, you're missing the whole point of it. Yeah, spirituality to me is being fully alive. Oh, yeah. Because we're not, we are, we have bodies, but we are spirit beings. Mm-hmm. Can't separate them. So yeah, you can't separate it. So there's no such thing as me being at a place in life where I am not spiritual. And so to me, spirituality is being fully alive. And in the practical sense, it is simply um, in my everyday life and all that I am and do, I am taking on the nature of of Jesus. That's how I look at it. Yeah. That spirituality is that in my life, the way I live, that I show what scripture calls the fruit of the spirit. I like to say the result of the spirit. Yes. In other words, what happens when a person becomes alive in Christ is they demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, the fruits of the spirit. So that is practical spirituality. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can tell if you're not alive. If, you're, if that's not in a part of your daily routine, your daily culture of who you are and how you live life. 
It's if it's if you're dead in that if or if it's, you know, not alive, if it's not fully alive, there's more for you to experience. So Yeah. I don't know that going to church is the proof of someone's uh spiritual life. Although I think certainly being a part of a church community helps that person become alive spiritually. Yeah, but going that- to church is not the evidence that someone's spiritually alive. Right. But putting that into action in their life in practical ways is what really shows, you know, that the church is making a difference, that what they're hearing from the, the scriptures, that it's making a difference. So I want to share some stories from couples that I have interacted with that have actually had frustrations over spirituality, where it's caused a kind of divide between the two of them. There was one man who was trying to get his wife to read a devotional with him. And it it was really kind of offensive to her. Uh, It's, and I don't know as a woman, if you relate to what would that be like? I don't think I've ever done that with you. No. Uh, Now, number one, I'm not a big devotional guy. I'm not the kind of guy that gets up every morning and has this book of devotions that I read through. Um, but how would that come across to you if I were to say, Hey, you need to read this devotional with me? Well, I think the better way to ask it would be like the reverse because I love devotionals. I get a lot out of them and I like to kind of have something that is available right at at the tip of my finger. If I want to, and have uh, a time where I'm just kind of growing closer to God, I just, I, I like that. But if I were to say, Hey, have a devotional with me, that's not really your thing. You do it differently. You don't do it exactly like me. So it just, it's more um, forcing someone to be like you. Yeah. And it also, I think even worse than forcing someone to be like you is forcing, uh, forcing someone to be spiritual like you. And that puts a different kind of a pressure on it because if you're not the same as someone else spiritually, who's wrong? Yeah. And it's also just awkward. It's asking the wrong question. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Trying to get someone to be spiritual. (laughs) Yeah. Is that's not leadership. It never goes over well. It doesn't matter if it's a a friend or your child and certainly your spouse trying to coax them to be spiritual mm-hmm. is not going to be beneficial. I knew of a couple that um, the the wife, when she goes to church and, invol- and, and is involved in corporate worship in the church setting, she's very expressive. Her husband just kind of stands there mm. and takes it in kind of emotionless. And to her, she felt that she took that as being a lack of spirituality on his part. Even It even became kind of a concern to her that her husband is, is like that in church. Like he's not expressive. He doesn't show with his hands and with his voice that he's into this worship. And it actually became a point of uh, divisiveness in mm. their relationship. It made her think, well, he's not very spiritual. Yeah, you know, I remember sometimes standing next to you in church, and you are more reserved in your worship than I am. I, I'm more dramatic, and I just love getting into the song and everything. And, uh, you know, I teach kids church from, t- you know, at, at different points in my past, and I just love to get into it. And I remember looking at you and thinking, wow, you know, you're not 
doing exactly what I'm doing. And not like exactly, but just, you know, I wish you would raise your hands more. And I stopped myself because it felt wrong. And it felt like, okay, who is Mark 24-7? Mark worships God. So how he worships with a song at church should not be the dictating factor of whether or not you you worship God right. It should be how you live your life. And so I stopped myself from that because it just felt it just felt wrong. Yes, and we discussed those aspects in a in a previous podcast to this about practical spirituality within our own life. So yeah, that was another story I would say is this that there was a, a, a man who was kind of pressing his wife on whether or not she was doing devotions. He was concerned about whether or not she was growing mm. as a person. And that didn't go over very well with her <laughs> to have someone, you know, and I don't know how you feel as a wife. We touched on this a little bit, but that for the, for a husband to go to his wife and say, hey, how are your devotions? Yeah, that, that kind of, it, it takes the, I don't know, it, it defizzles it. Just like, ugh, it just kind of goes down because... I want everything that I do in my relationship with God to be a choice. And when you start asking it in that kind of a way, it makes it be more of a have to. And it sets wrong in me if you're going to, if you were to say, Hey, I'm expecting this out of you spiritually. I don't know. I just, it sets wrong because God should be the one that I'm chasing. And, you know, I I don't know. I just, it just kind of leaves me with the, the, the thought of, this is no longer a choice. I don't like this. This isn't comfortable. But I, f- but I would feel wrong because if you as my husband are asking me to do something different spiritually, I would feel like I need to switch things up. But it's not allowing for me to be different because, you know, if, if we go off the topic of spirituality in a marriage and we go to dishes or we go to cooking, um, driving a car, the two people in, in the marriage, they don't cook the same. They don't clean the same. They don't drive the same. They don't parent the same. We don't do things the same. Why? Well, we're different. We've been created differently. We have different perspectives. We have different giftings. And what we're talking about here of someone saying, hey, I'm expecting this, or why are you not doing this, or I'm concerned you're not, you know, growing enough. Those are the things that it changes it and saying, you can't be who you are. And that is stifling and, uh, you know, just, it really just takes the fun out of what you're doing when it's a choice. So I would rather get to do what I'm doing because that works with my personality. Hmm. I want to say a comment here and we're not going to elaborate on this a lot, but this is just something I want to say. I'm just going to kind of leave it out there. When a couple has a substantial difference in spirituality, by substantial, I mean one person doesn't even want to go to church and the other one is very passionate about it. That's a substantial difference. Or they want to go to two different churches. That's substantial. Usually this is the result of a marriage that has drifted off course. Now we can get distracted and think, Well, we just don't agree on spiritual things, but in reality, the relationship drifted off course from each other, and that is causing the result of a disagreement in spiritual matters. 
if you're not growing together, you're not going to stay together in how you grow in your values and your habits, so on and so forth. I want to throw in something here just really quickly. That if your marriage, you feel like it's not in a good place, can I tell you something? That's okay. I don't mean it needs to stay that way. It doesn't. Many people are afraid to have a problem in marriage. But look at anything else we do in life. It has problems. I want to encourage you. We have a video course we made called Restoring Intimacy in Your Marriage. It's just five videos that set up conversations between you and your spouse. I I look at intimacy and marriage kind of like a a Wi-Fi connection in your home. If the Wi-Fi is strong, you can connect to all kinds of things. But if the Wi-Fi signal is bad, then you're so, so limited. So it's a practical guide that, that helps couples have discussions to reconnect with each other in their level of intimacy. So if you're struggling with marriage, I just want to tell you, it's okay. Don't be afraid of it, but do something about it. Um, in the Restoring Intimacy course, you can go to markdelaney.me uh, and you'll see courses for My Life platform and you'll see the course Restoring Intimacy. I want to encourage that to you. But So we're just going to finish with, first of all, a couple of don'ts and then a, and then four things that, uh, that we need to do to be uh, building a spiritual relationship together that's powerful. So the first don't is this. Don't judge your spirituality together by spiritual disciplines, by by spiritual actions. You you know we tend to this is this happens in many faith circles where people think that their spirituality is measured and determined by how long they read the scriptures every day, or how long they spend praying every day, and there are many couples that feel kind of like this. Uh, They can feel like a religious guilt trip over how long they pray together. Do we pray together? Do we read the Bible together? And these are all fine things to do. These are good things to do. And it's something that will grow into your marriage over the course of time. But when we look at it religiously, we begin to look at our spouse and be disappointed and think we're not very spiritual together because we don't pray together. I think that is a very religious way of living. So that, here's the don't. I'll say it again. Don't judge your spirituality together by spiritual disciplines, but by spiritual actions. Are you demonstrating and sharing the fruit of the spirit with each other? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. That's what you want. Listen, friends. Spirituality is not getting up and reading the Bible together and then acting like you hate each other the rest of the day. What if you get up and maybe you don't read the Bible together, but maybe you love each other all day long? That's spiritual living. You know, that goes right into uh, another don't, which it's, you know, don't preach Jesus to them and instead demonstrate Jesus to them. Mm. And it's it's really flowing together because 
if you're to say, hey, you need to love more, you you know, the fruit of the spirit, if we go back there, you know, if we if we tell our partner that they're not, you know, showing the attributes of Christ, or if they're not doing devotions the way we want to be doing, and we're preaching to them, it's it, it it's not at all the same thing as just you be who you need to be in Christ. And that is that's the natural thing you get to do. And what God does is he works through that. And it be, it's, and, and what ends up happening is that action helps to it just want, have, create a hunger in the other person to want to do more and to grow more and to be on, you know, just to get excited about living and growing. Mm. And you, I'm going to, I'm going to be more fully alive if I'm encouraged by, you know, just watching you as your example than I am about someone else telling me. It is never our job to try to get someone, certainly force someone to act like Jesus. That will always backfire. That will always be counterproductive. That will always erode away the relationship. But when you demonstrate Jesus to someone, you might just inspire them Mm -hmm. to want to be like you. Yeah. Create a hunger in them to do more. That's the natural result of you being who you need to be, is it just creates a hunger for the other person to be more of who they, you know, who they are and who they need to be. So let's let's wrap this up with four things to do in, in, in spirituality and marriage. Instead of trying to make someone more spiritual, Help them be fully alive. Mm. Help them be fully alive. Man, that's isn't, a gift. Isn't that what it is to yes. live spiritually? Yes. That in my spirit, I'm fully alive? Yes. So four things. Number one, be their encourager. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to help someone be fully alive. That is a spiritual gift that you give to someone is by encouraging them. What's number two? Be their biggest fan. You know, I love to be your cheerleader and to see what you're doing throughout the day and, you know, just, you know, encourage you and and cheer you on and and tell you how much I believe in you because those things that you're doing in your day, you know, they need who you are when you walk through those doors. And I just want to cheer you on and remind you of who you are because sometimes in our head, we tell ourselves all the things that we're not. And I want to remind you of who you really are. That is great spirituality and marriage. And that leads into the third one, which is to tell them, tell your spouse what nobody else in the world is telling them. Mm. For my wife, all through the years when she was at home all day with the kiddos when they were young, no matter what she's doing, there's nobody in the world that's putting the queen's crown upon her head but me. And that's my role. That is being spiritual in the home. Yeah, and and what that did in me by being cherished and by you, you know, crowning me as a king, as a queen, and all of that just made me become the best version of myself. And the overflow of that is I'm just ready to love and respect you, uh, you know, and and just show you that I believe in you, and it's. When a wife and a husband do it with each other, it's in the most intimate way that you can possibly send or receive, uh, you know, the the message, I believe in you. Mm. Uh, it, it's a lot different if I grab my crown in the morning and I put it on my head. 
But when you cherish me and you queen me and you put that crown on my head, it's so different. It's like an honor. It's like I'm wow. And it meets a need that is so deep. And when I stop to make sure that I'm doing things that in essence feel like I'm putting a cape around your shoulders, that's different than if you were to grab that cape and put it on yourself saying, I'm a hero. I'm amazing. You know, when someone else does it for you, it means more. When your spouse does it, it means the deepest level of love that you, that there is here on earth. Well said. And here's number four. Find a church community for growing together. We've been married 28 years. Our kids are now launched out of the house. If there's anything that we did that kept us on course through the years was that every week we got in the car, we loaded up the kids, we went to the house of God, and we simply took those moments to humbly worship, listen to scripture. Our kids were trained. If there's anything that we did, listen, friends, having a, having a family that's fruitful and, and, and maybe you can use the word powerful, you know, we all want to live a life that our family leaves a legacy and makes a difference. It's not about talent, friends, it's, nor is it about intelligence. There's no such thing as, oh, I was a good dad. I was a good mom. We, we were good. We were good at marriage. We're all somewhat messy in all of it. I want to encourage you in that last aspect that I, I do not know how to do life differently that leads to an effectiveness and a fruitfulness than once a week. Bowing your knees metaphorically Mm -hmm. and sometimes literally just surrendering your lives to I am a created being Mm -hmm. and I surrender all that I am to the creator. Yes. It's just so critical. Friends, we're talking about family and specifically marriage here today. I want to, I just want to say it again. If you have a problem in marriage, it's okay. It's okay. You're not at the end of the story. Maybe it's really ugly. Maybe it's really out of your control. I, I, I want to encourage you once again that we have a video course called Restoring Intimacy that just helps couples have conversations. If you can have the, these conversations together, you'll be blown away. You can reconnect with each other. That Wi-Fi signal can come back on. Mm. And so many things can be possible between the two of you. Good marriages are not, are not marriages that avoid problems. Powerful marriages are marriages where they work through problems. And it's just one conversation at a time. One conversation. Just have the next conversation that you need to have as a couple. Have that conversation during peacetime. Go ahead and say to your spouse, hey, I've just been, I've been struggling with something. I've been bothered by something. And say those awkward words. I don't want to be upset about this, but I just am for some reason. 
I don't know that you meant to hurt my feelings, but you did hurt my feelings. It's okay that your marriage has problems. That problem, if you face it, might just become a wonderful opportunity for your life. So Mark and Adina here, we're going to sign off in this episode of the My Life Platform podcast. We wish you the absolute best in your journey.